Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of The Vegas Therapist. I am your host, Ryan Winder. And remember, what's happening in Vegas is not staying in Vegas, as I bring you helpful tips and all sorts of topic areas, with a Vegas twist of course. So let's get the show started. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's good to have you back in for another episode of The Vegas Therapist. I am your host, Ryan Winder. Got a great show for you today, but before we get to today's topic, hope everybody's doing well and having a good holiday. Um, I know holidays as I've well as I've gotten older, I've realized that the holidays are not always great for everybody. Uh, they can be a very challenging time. Um, you know, people have lost loved ones, or Christmas and different events around the holidays just aren't the same, whether they don't have families around um, or again, lost loved ones. And just, it's more of a sad time where they're missing people or missing, you know, family. So try to be understanding out there, try to be uh, mindful that maybe uh, your enthusiasm for the holidays uh, may not be shared by others for uh, specific reasons that are very you know, deep for, for others. It may not just be that they're Grinch or that they're negative towards the holidays. It just may be carrying some emotional weight around that. So try to be mindful of that. And actually some of our episodes are going to be talking about that in, in relation to empathy. Um, but it's a good time to practice that this time of year to try to be empathetic towards other people uh, and what they may be going through. Um, I know this is the second Christmas since my mom passed and um, this it's, it's a time to reflect too, and just think about those memories that you've had with those loved ones. And, and although I still have my family to connect with and, and enjoy, uh, there's still a sense of loss there and, you know, loss with some of the traditions that she brought to, to the holidays, especially with her chocolates and the things that she used to do around that. So, so anyway, it's still a sad time, but, um, like I said, other people may have a more difficult, uh, time with it. Uh, due to losses they've incurred or situations that they're in. Uh, so anyway, um, another quick thing, just remember, please go and rate and review the show on Apple iTunes. If you haven't done so, uh, I definitely would appreciate it. Um, also, there is the Facebook group page, um, Ryan Winder, the Vegas Therapist podcast on Facebook that you can join. And if you have any questions for me or want to reach out or want to do any coaching or therapy or whatever it may be, um, just reach out to me, ryanwinder at gmail.com or go to my website. There's also my uh, merit 14-day better marriage challenge. If you're looking for something for the new year to improve your relationship, to bring it together, to make it better, um, or just for something to do, something to enjoy with your spouse. Uh, check that out. You can find the link on my website, ryanwinder.com, and uh, that will take you to that. There was apparently some issues with that recently, so thanks to somebody who reached out to me and let me know that apparently um, that site for the marriage challenge was down, but now it's back and going and should have no problem. So, all right, today episode. Um, I've really been interested in this topic of emotional immaturity slash maturity, uh, whichever way you want to look at it, but we're focusing on the immature side or, or the things that create emotional immaturity and kind of how we react, but also how to improve on that. Um, Tony Overby has done some great 
podcast on this and he ties it into like the dynamic of his narcissism podcast. And basically it's like, I really like the context of the fact that as opposed to looking at us all as narcissists, it's maybe more reflective of our emotional immaturity that really creates some of those narcissistic, narcissistic tendencies. Um, so that's something to look at. But I think the reason why I like this concept is because I think it's applicable to all of us. Like none of us are fully, I don't think emotionally mature. We all have our blind spot. We all have our weaknesses. And when it comes to emotional maturity, because we've all been through different experiences where we've had things that haven't been either met for us or modeled or whatever. And so there's learning and growth for each of us in this area. It just may be where that comes from or where that is for you. So I think it's something for everybody, something we can all learn from, something we can all grow in. Um, and so I wanted to do an episode on it. So uh, really quick, I'm just going to give a kind of a general shout out. Uh, took some information from an article, Seven Ways to Become uh, Emotionally Mature by uh, Maria Romazaskin. Probably didn't say that right. Um, and uh, even though her article talked about seven ways, I'm going to focus on four that I kind of took partly from her article, but from some other places. Uh, the holistic psychologist on Instagram recently did a post on emotional maturity. So I got some information from that as well as again, just Tony Overbay and some of his podcasts. Um, so just want to give credit to those sources as far as some of the context of, of this. Um, so first of all, it's important and kind of like what I alluded to, to before, well, let me define emotional immaturity. Um, well, no, let me, let me go to here first. Uh, just because we are adults does not mean that we're emotionally mature. That does not automatically graduate us into this place, even though I think when we're 18 or 19 or whatever, and we kind of feel like, oh, I've arrived, I'm an adult, da, 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 da. And, you know, quickly we find that that's only by maybe number, but not necessarily in terms of the way that we act or the way that we do things. Um, becoming emotionally mature does take a lot of work as well as even life experiences. But in, in my opinion, I think obviously we have to use those life experiences to help us to grow that then help us to become emotionally immature because some life experiences, uh, if we don't utilize them, they can set us back or even, you know, create more of an immaturity in, in the way that we operate. So good news though, is that for all of us is that, um, it's never too late to work on this. And it's something that we can, you know, continually be working at and growing from and learning. Uh, so what does an emotionally mature person look like? Well, one, I think they're aware of their emotions and can control them. And when I say control, I don't mean push down or stuff, just maybe manage is a better word. They can manage their feelings and be able to not let them escalate in a way that's negative, but just be able to, Hey, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm experiencing. Be able to express them, um, or self-regulate them in a way to where they can be resilient. Um, especially in times of stress and sudden change, they're able to manage, and regulate those feelings to still move through something as opposed to shut down or fall apart, etc. Um, so here's some kind of buzzwords, I think for an emotionally mature person, self-aware, they can regulate, they're flexible. Flexibility, I think is really important because, you know, sometimes the immature person or the immature way of thinking is very all or nothing, even though we may not think of it as that, but it's like when we kind of put things in that perspective. So a mature person can be flexible in their thought and their way of operating. Um, and they can, you know, utilize that between situations. 
emotionally mature people take ownership of their feelings and their actions. They can be vulnerable and open about their feelings. They can be empathetic and they obviously understand their own feelings and needs and are able to express them. On the flip side, an emotionally immature person will find it hard to communicate or process their emotions and it can appear selfish or aloof. And at the root of emotional maturity is the lack of our ability to regulate our emotions or to sit in emotional discomfort. And I think that that's probably one of the biggest things. I mean, I had a couple last night I was working with and that was kind of like the main focus of the session was the husband's tendency just to leave the situation uh, when things got emotional and just like his emotional tolerance or inability to sit in that discomfort. Uh, it was very limited. And so basically he just shuts down and leaves. Um, so that is to me reflective of more emotional maturity. I don't think it's like, Hey, I'm saving us from fighting or I'm whatever. It's like, I can't regulate my emotions or I can't express my emotions in this situation. So I'm just going to shut down and leave the situation. Um, so some common characteristics on the, of the emotionally immature person, uh, is high defensiveness. Uh, they don't, own their mistakes or they tend to have a, a blaming of others kind of tendency uh, discomfort in expressing their emotions or not expressing them at all uh, shut down or lash out um, uh, avoid conflict altogether uh, they can be passive aggressive or do some emotional dumping and they definitely have a hard time dealing with disappointment or rejection and the behaviors that they exhibit as a result of that are typically not good so emotional immaturity or maturity however you want to look at it, comes from our developmental needs, uh, which were probably not met on the immaturity side. So the developmental needs that were not met as children and as well as through the modeling that we get from our parents and, you know, adult figures in life. So uh, those two things are critical for how that comes to be in our lives, which is something I'm going to reflect on at different points and just to kind of keep in mind. So there is that core dynamic of where this comes from. So being emotional and mature though, it's a, I think it's important to recognize it doesn't make us a bad person because again, I think we all experience some level of emotional mature immaturity in some way or in some situations, wherever it may be. Um, so it definitely doesn't make us a bad person, but we may exhibit bad behaviors that cause problems for ourselves and our relationships. So that's where, you know, obviously it, it comes into play for us to be mindful of this and to be able to work on it. Um, we also may exhibit some of these immature char characteristics and yet display other mature ones. So again, there's not this all or nothing dynamic, even with emotional maturity. There may be some situations that we are great in and others that we're terrible in. For example, we may be empathetic and self-aware, but we may struggle with criticism or sudden change in our life and have negative reactions when it comes to those things. So again, not an all or nothing. You're just looking for the areas where we can improve areas that might be more, you know, difficult for us. Um, again, finding our blind spots and areas improvement is the key. And part of it, again, the reason I wanted to do this episode, because I think we all have uh, things that we can explore, things we can change, things that we can work on. And there's a number of ways that we can choose to work on our emotional immaturity. And that's why, you know, I mean, the article talked about seven. I wanted to do these four because I think these four really encapsulate a big part of that, that work. And maybe they even expand to the seven 
maybe the seven that they that she referred to in the article will kind of uh, just some generalization stuff. But anyway, I think really this one is main critical. And that's why I listed as number one uh, is the the first step that we can take to recognize or improve our emotional tr- immaturity is to recognize our triggers or areas of weakness. But ultimately, I think it comes down to triggers. And, you know, as we are more self-aware with this, we can start to see where those triggers happen. Um, And we, you know, we think, okay, what are the situations or circumstances under which we have difficulty regulating ourselves? So such as what makes us defensive? Where do we feel the most discomfort? Um, Or when when do we shut down? Or what kind of situations do we shut down in? also, another question to ask is what are the things or thing, what, what are some situations or things that we avoid? You know, maybe we don't do well with con- confrontation or conflict. So maybe we avoid situations like maybe we don't, we have a spouse to confront or parents to confront or situations that, you know, I mean, I, I um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've worked with several clients, you know, that have had a really st- struggle to, you know, as they're kind of doing some work on themselves. Uh, finding kind of this awareness of where some of that lack of development in their childhood came from. Uh, Maybe they feel like that they need to address something with their parents because, again, not that that's always something you have to do, but when those parents are still a big part of your life and they still continue to do those behaviors that are harmful to you, at some point there does have to be a confrontation. So being able to be mature enough within yourself and be able to address those things or confront those things. That's a big part of emotionally maturing and being able to take care of yourself. Um, we can also refer to, um, I, so, well, this is a little bit of a shift, but like in terms of like, when we think about those things, um, when we are triggered, sometimes that's referred to as regression or going into a regress state. And what basically how that's defined is it's more of like we fall into like a childlike kind of way of being, not having the tools to assert ourselves um, or share our feelings. And so, again, that regress state is reflective of a childlike state, which, again, goes back to, well, why would that happen? Well, because, you know, as children, we didn't get what we needed. Um, we didn't get the modeling that we needed. And so we regress back to that way of operating because we don't have a better way of managing our emotions. Um, in addition with this whole self-awareness process and working on these things, um, you may ask yourself, well, what emotions are difficult for me? Um, what things elicit a strong emotional reaction in me? Um, last night, for example, I I like how sometimes these things just come, especially as I'm preparing for an episode and I get these things that happened and I'm like, oh, that'd be great for the the podcast. But I had an example last night with a couple and we were talking about, um, the husband's reaction to expectations were not being met. And as we kind of peeled back the layers, we found that he had an issue with commitments from his childhood. So basically how that came about was, you know, he was talking about how he was responding to his spouse and in relation to some expectations that he felt like that they had about a specific topic and didn't feel like he handled that that well. And we were kind of talking about this whole self-awareness and emotional maturity thing. And, and I just said, okay, well, what is your, think about what, what is your issue with commitments? Like, why does that, you know, create such a stir in you? And immediately he went right to, 
oh well it's from my childhood like my 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 parents that my dad didn't keep his commitments and and um and so i have a really strong reaction when that doesn't happen in my life i'm like okay so great that's good some good self-awareness but now the challenge is is that when that happens you know obviously that can be a challenging thing but you're also transferring some of those feelings that you have towards your dad onto your wife and obviously that's not fair for her because she's getting some of that from you because this is a bigger issue than just you know her not following a commitment even though that can be an issue in itself but it's combined with because now it's triggering you there's this you know overall emotional reaction that's happening and so you've got to take ownership of that part for you you know whereas the couple and your relationship needs to deal with okay why aren't these commitments being kept what are we doing or what can we do to be better at keeping these commitments um but the emotional reaction to it for the most part like that's a you thing and you need to address that and work through that so that um it's not being over overplayed there in that situation so that's kind of what we mean by this and that's kind of what i'm you know trying to focus on especially with the self-awareness key is like to find those spots to understand those things that can be triggers for us and that again send us it kind of into this regress state because we're acting in a way that it's happening to us again like it did in childhood and we feel helpless but we're not really helpless anymore we do have the ability to you know manage that feeling and be able to get our needs met by communicating with whoever we're with, whether it's a spouse or a friend or whoever, and be able to talk through those things. Um, another way to kind of enhance that self-awareness is journaling. Um, it can be helpful to kind of begin like that awareness process, but also to help us even just process uh, through some difficult emotions. Um, but really the digging part can be helpful. And so maybe just writing down the statement, kind of like I said with this person, what is it about blank that makes me feel blank? and just trying to understand what that might be about for you. So what is it about blank that makes me feel blank? Uh, so for this one, what is it about not keeping commitments that makes me feel so upset or makes me feel enraged or whatever the feeling is? And it's like, okay, well then I can kind of sit on that and think about that. It's like, oh yeah, okay, that's why. Um, my, my dad didn't keep commitments and so that, that's really a frustrating thing for me. And now you have your answer. Now you can go and, and work on it. Um, the second thing I wanted to address with this is that I think what's important in terms of our emotional maturity is that we need to take responsibility for our feelings and actions. Um, now, we may not always be able to control the circumstances that create feelings, but we can decide what we do about those feelings or how we express them or how they come out for us. And I think basically just, you know, it really come, this one really comes down to a summary of this self-statement. Take responsibility, apologize, and avoid blaming others. Um, that's really critical. And that's, for me, one of the things, I mean, I have to keep an eye out for. Um, there was a lot of deflection and blaming others in, in, in my household that I grew up in. And so it's an easy one for me to kind of fall into. Um, and so kind of just staying in that place of ownership for me is important. Um, and it's definitely something, what's interesting is like, uh, I don't know what my wife's reasonings for is um, probably could ask her. Maybe she's told me and I just have forgot or, or, or can't remember, but I don't want to assume or think I know the reason why, but we're both pretty big on that 
with our kids. And so anytime we see our kids kind of like moving towards like that blame of others and not taking responsibility, it's something that we definitely try to correct in them and get them to see their part and take ownership for their, their side and things. Um, and I think that that's just a big issue in society anyway, right now, regardless of whatever it's like, there's a lot of, you know, people don't like to own their part in things. And so anyway, that's a different maybe rant, but so I think it's important we teach that to our kids anyway, but as well as ourselves, we have to take responsibility for our feelings and actions. Uh, the third thing, which is another critical part of this, which I think is, you know, something that we can all benefit from. This goes back to my intro as well, is that we work on empathy. Um, emotionally immature people tend to make everything about themselves. They only see their perspective or how something impacts them. Um, and so obviously that's a very self-centered way of approaching life. Um, and so expanding beyond that, trying to have empathy for the others, we can try practicing or, you know, I think what can help us to improve on this is practicing seeing and accepting how other people feel, even when we disagree. That's the, that's really the critical part. Sometimes it's easy to have empathy for people when that, when what they're going through kind of aligns with what we feel is okay or agree with or whatever, but having empathy for people when they don't agree with something, um, that's a totally different story. Now, I think when we think about what empathy looks like, sometimes empathy is simply just avoiding judgment or avoiding forming quick assumptions about other people. Um, because once we make that judgment, obviously empathy doesn't happen, especially if it's a negative judgment. And then we just kind of operate in that, in that judgment. So if we can replace that, um, that sense of judgment or quick assumptions with curiosity, now curiosity leads to asking questions or seeking understanding. I just kind of say to my clients, think curiosity, not judgment. So if I'm curious, I'm going to ask more questions. I'm going to seek to understanding. And I feel like this is so much easier to have empathy when you understand someone better. I mean, really, when you think about it, a huge part of therapy is that you get to hear people's story and see why they do the things they do. Now, initially, I might think somebody comes in, they tell me about what, what they're having a problem with. And I might be like, what the heck? Why? This is like crazy. But again, I can suspend that judgment because I know I'm going to have time to understand their story. Um, so that that's really critical. And that allows me then to be more empathetic because I'm like, oh, wow, you were abused or you were, you know, this or this happened in your life. Your, your parent died when you were five or what, you know, whatever it may be. It's like now all of a sudden I have that understanding and now the empathy is easier to give. So just I had a quick thought with this is like sometimes we may appear to be selective as to who we give empathy to. Now, that may be true. We may have a problem with that. We maybe need to look at that. But really what that might be is that it just could be due to the fact that we just have more understanding for some people than we do others. And so it's easier to give them empathy right off the bat because we just kind of know who they are and know their story. Um, and that's why it's easy to give empathy. So again, just, you know, uh, as, a, as, a, as an important thing. So seek understanding. I think that helps us with empathy and gives the opportunity to give people that sense of compassion. Now, obviously equally important to that is learning to be empathetic towards yourself, giving self compassion, which again, could just be the same, same model. Seek understanding of yourselves, ask yourself questions. You know, um, what is this about for me? Like, why do I have, again, going back to that, why do I have these reactions? Why do I feel this way? 
Um, what's this tied to in my life, in my childhood? So that that's another critical component of that is having that understanding. Now, the fourth thing and final thing is that, uh, it, it, you know, I mean, it's, it's a bigger thing, but it's also just a very direct thing. Um, now, it kind of goes back to the reason, the, the number one reason of where emotional immaturity comes from, because it stems from unmet childhood needs and, and modeling that we got in childhood, um, we need to nurture our inner child. That's another way that we can become emotionally mature. For example, our need for validation may lead us to do some toxic things like people pleasing or manipulating people to give us things that we need or to give us a sense of feeling a certain way. And obviously that's not a good way to, to operate that can lead to a lot of other issues, but healing and nurturing the inner child can help to curb those behaviors. So then we become the captain of our own ship in a sense and validate our own self and the needs of our inner child. Um, so that, that practice of nurturing our child can help us with those kinds of behaviors that can be toxic and can be negative, And we can turn them into positives by nurturing our inner child and validating ourselves. Um, this is another reason for shadow work because it helps us to integrate that part back into our lives. So if you, this is your first episode listening to the podcast, uh, the previous two episodes were about the shadow and doing shadow work and, and reintegrating our shadow. And a lot of our shadow is tied to some of those things as well. So anyway, that's, uh, the four things. And, um, again, I feel like this topic is great. I think it's, it's something that we can all utilize and improve on in our lives. It's just, it's just something that we can, Hey, where, where do I struggle in this area of maturity? What are my hotspots? What are my triggers? Start thinking about that, start addressing some of these things. And I think you'll find, some really value in this work, especially as we try to become more uh, mature in our approach to ourselves and our approach to others. Um, a lot of good things can happen with that. Our relationships become better, more enhanced, more meaningful, um, and they're going to end up giving us back more because we're in a better place ourselves. So anyway, happy holidays once again. Hope you have a great time. Be safe. Uh, enjoy one another and spread goodness uh, during this time. And I will see you in the new year.